Welcome to another fabulous edition of The Real Estate Real World, where we get to talk to all kinds of great people that are doing it right now in the business. They're out there hustling on the streets just like you. And this gal is no exception. What I love most about this gal is she has my name. She actually has my name. Well, I suppose I could say I have her name. I'm not sure. but I think you had it first, Marguerite. (laughs) Only because I'm older, but why is that on it? Well, I'm excited today to welcome my guest, Miss Marguerite, and I'm not even going to try to say your last name. Go ahead. I'll butcher it. It's Jaguar. It's Jaguar. It's, it's weird. It's French-Canadian. There you go. We'll see, you know, Marguerite. I guess we get all the unique names. Like, it seems like we could maybe have a last name that's easy, right? I literally have thought about changing it to Smith just to make people's lives easier, but it hasn't happened yet. Exactly. Wouldn't that be fabulous? Well, welcome to the show today. I'm excited to finally get to chat with you. We still need to have a Marguerite in-person fest. That's going to have to happen here this year. I think 2016 is our year. What do you think? I think that's a great idea. I think we should have margaritas. I think we should go all the way. (laughs) (laughs) That would be perfect. Well, Marguerite, tell us a little bit about you and your business. Tell us. Um, Well, I've been in real estate since 2005, and I'm 36. So I kind of see myself as a cusper, sort of. Like, I'm not a Gen X. I'm not a millennial. I'm kind of, like, straddling the two. And in real estate, I feel very similarly. Like, I started sort of just as, you know, networked MLSs and all that kind of stuff was starting to happen, like, just as you could do everything online. But before, people were, like, you know, people were still taking pictures with a camera, printing the pictures and scanning them in when I started, right? Like, we weren't online marketing yet. So, I mean, I don't even think our MLS required a photo on every listing back then. So things have changed a lot in the 11 years that I've been in the business and that's, I mean, I think what's exciting is I can kind of see both worlds. Like, I remember before, I've experienced after, I prefer after. <laughs> yeah, I don't, and that's, we, don't we all? I mean, yeah. I think I the one thing that... when we didn't have fax machines yet, so that's how old I am. <laughs> my God. Well, and I mean, this is the thing, and that's just a great example. Like, everything has gotten easier. I mean, really, almost everything has gotten easier, and yet the job can still seem hard. So uh, that's that's an interesting thing to contemplate. <laughs> totally. What would you say some of the challenges that you experience? I mean, like I, said, I agree with you. Everything is so much easier in so many ways. But that can also be a key point that makes the consumer feel like we don't, we're not worth it. You know, I don't experience my clients thinking I'm not worth it. But I do feel like I find a blur that's happened. And and I think most agents can relate to this. I, I hear some very smug agents with perfect boundaries, and I, I really don't know what that's like at all. I don't have really great boundaries. I work on it in therapy. Like, I, I think the biggest challenge that, that I have is that, you know, like, the work can reach you anywhere. And so now it's up to us 
to decide whether or not we're going to respond. And most of the time, you know, my niece just got into the business. She's 26. And she was like, I just want to be paid for how hard I work. And I was like, well, that's not exactly how it works, first of all. And second, like, you're only going to work when you want money. And that's going to be all the time. And that's what happens, right? It's very hard to resist that inquiry, especially when we have people on stage telling us we need to respond within 45 seconds or whatever, and or our clients will never, ever want to work with us ever again. You know, there's a lot of conflicting information. There's a lot of, you know, people tell us to have boundaries, but people tell us to respond immediately. You know, they tell us to have systems, but they tell us to think about the client first and, you know, meet them where they are. There's there's a lot to navigate, like, as things are shifting. There are no real norms. Like, every expert kind of has a different point of view. And I think that's what I mean when I say things are blurring. Like, we're having to sort of find our own way in this new world. And I think know, a lot of the old experts what, don't totally have it dialed in. Well, I would completely agree with you 100%. You know, to answer your niece's call of getting paid for a hard work, we actually do. You know, we get paid on our results, right? Where yep, exactly. Jobs, you're getting paid, you know, 10, 12 bucks an hour or 15 bucks an hour, like no matter what you do or how hard you work. But we do get paid for results. Um, the the other aspect of that is the great thing about this industry, in my opinion, is everyone has their own version of success. It it True. is challenging though, like you said, when you hear all these these conversations from stage about what we should or shouldn't do. I got an agent one day upset that somebody texted her at six o'clock in the morning, and I said, "Well, first of all, for me, when I text somebody, I, I think of it like a voicemail. I think that they'll answer yeah. when they get to it." And that's probably some of the challenges. It's up to you to respond. Like, you don't have to respond at 6 a.m. That's where you have to set your boundaries. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I think this is where, I mean, I know that you, uh, I know from our online friendship that you're about as into, you know, self-help and business books and self-improvement as I am. I'm, I'm really into that stuff. And I think, you know, people, you know, everything we are seeing, you know, all of this behavior, all of everything is it's sort of like a it's our it's our reflection of our own stuff so you see an e- you see a text message at 6 and you think that's so impolite that person might only be thinking like this is the politest way to reach out to this person right now you know everybody's that's kind so of bringing their own new norms to the situation <laughs> it's an adjustment right we all have to adjust and learn these like you were saying these new norms right and i i think also it it has to do with who we're attracting you know, I've listened to, uh, I've been cramming podcast episodes before our conversations. So I've been listening to conversations you've had with other people. And I think sometimes, <laughs> I think where that, that misalignment comes in is the clients that you're ending up with, you know, you're not attracting them intentionally. You know, I mean, my clients, you know, I tend to mesh with them very well because I do a lot of marketing. Like I put a lot of myself, my authentic self out there and people select me. So if I tell somebody I don't really get back to people before nine in the morning because I'm probably working late, that just tends to be my way, they're all on board with that. They chose me. They chose my method. They trust me. You know, you you have that understanding. So you don't have that thing of like, oh, my God, if I don't text this person back when they text me at six, they might fire me. You know, that comes from well, attracting clients that. that don't choose you. Because that goes back to really permission marketing. So tell me. Tell me and our listeners a little bit about what you do to market yourself. How do you attract those kinds of people that are going to be the best fit for you? 
this has changed a lot over the years. But I think a, a real turning point for me was in like 08, you know, I, I had been to a couple of Hobbs Herder marketing seminars. I don't know if they still do them as much, but it was very like, you know, attract by personal marketing. And I totally drank that Kool-Aid. I was like, I get it. If I just put myself out there, people can choose me. Then I never have to call someone ever again. Then I never have to ask for business ever again because those are things I don't like doing. And and that was my dream, and it's totally worked out. And I haven't done it in the traditional way that they sort of taught. You know, I've learned new methods for doing that. But my whole thing is to uh, to put to put myself out there so that people can select me, so that I'm not out there looking for business. Like it's happening around the clock. So nowadays, what that looks like for me is no more real estate marketing. And what I mean by that is, I don't need to talk about real estate necessarily in order to attract great clients. I think that what my job is is to be trustworthy, and likable, and competent, and to create marketing that expresses that, and then people know what to do when they have a real estate need. So I have a community-focused podcast called MoveToTacoma.com. If you go to MoveToTacoma.com, you can listen to my podcast there. And I don't talk about real estate on the podcast. I only talk about – I mean, I talk about things that aren't even very flattering to my city. You know, we've talked about, you know, the homelessness issue in our city and, you know, the methanol plant they want to build in the port and how does everybody feel about that. Like, I think that one of the things I'm trying to counteract is a tendency that realtors have to sort of shine everything up and the mistrust that that creates in our communities amongst our clients when they're trying to select a realtor. You know, they just want someone who's going to tell them the truth. So it, that's kind of been my my thought the last two years or so, is to just put really good community information out there and not try to close people and see what happens. And I've been really, really busy. I can't even tell you how valuable, how valuable <laughs> okay. that is because one – one thing that I see so common is, you know, in some different groups is, you know, uh, dialing for dollars, right? Lead generation, yeah. lead generation, lead gen, and, and all their time is spent, yeah. you know, calling expired, calling business. I'm not judging that. There are people that that is a great business model for them. But I think more people struggle with that than don't. And what I have really been why I love to follow you is because you are so transparent and you really tell it like it is, the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, is <laughs> like whatever is going on. And that makes it feel so real so that people can connect with you because I think most of us can't connect to the bright, shiny, you know, plastic polish looks all perfect. And no one has the perfect community either. So, I love what you're doing with your podcast. That's fantastic. We'll be sure to follow you and they, make sure to write her a review while you're over there. Write her a good review. Oh, yeah, that would be lovely. <laughs> yeah, I think what what's the struggle for me, and I hope this is okay to say, like I feel like realtors lie. <laughs> like, And I don't mean we lie to our clients, but we lie to each other. And I, I, I you know, I, I've recently come back from a conference and I'm still, I feel like I'm still trying to shake it off. Like, just, like, the things people will say on stage and then the things people will tell you after a couple of drinks at the bar, and you realize they're living completely out of sync with their public persona. And I think that is the thing that is the hardest for us to survive. I mean, I'm 11 years in. You know, I've I've experienced a lot of things. I've learned a lot. But I think the hardest thing for me to reconcile, the thing that I keep coming back to, the lesson that this job is apparently supposed to teach me, is how to be in alignment with myself and my my authentic self and to be successful. And I think it's very hard in this business. 
I am so glad you brought that up because I think that's something that everybody's thinking but nobody's saying, right? It's like we see, and and this is not all of them. There are some really true, genuine, great people who get up on stage and speak. But many times, you know, you get them up there and, you know, you got a panel of five and each one of them has sold like $200 million in the last year. And like, <laughs> I'm doing the math in my head and I'm like, you know, and, and I've done some big numbers, you know. I mean, I've ha- I've been around a long yeah. time. I've done some big numbers. But I start thinking about that math and I'm like, that's not even like humanly possible. Well, and, and it's certainly not humanly possible for one person and it makes right. everybody else feel inadequate. And, I think the more real we can be, you know, I, I always joke when I'm doing my training and teaching that every agent takes their best month times 12, and that's what they do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, and we talk about gross numbers, which are silly. Like, people talk about gross sales or gross commission income. I'm like, I don't care what you gross. I could not care less what you gross. <laughs> like, and then we saw does- that happen, and, you know, when the market shifted, we what's that great saying when, when the tide goes out, you see who's naked, all those people yeah. in those big numbers that everything was going into foreclosure and they were losing stuff left and right. Again, not judging, but I, you know, you see it. So I think, well, but these are the, the people ability. who are, who are teaching us. And and that's the thing is we need to hold. And I mean, here's where I get a little preachy, but like we need to hold people organizing conferences accountable, you know, to do their research about who they're putting on panels and to vet people. Because I know I've been thrown up on panels before and nobody's ever asked me, you know, anything about what I do. You know, one weird thing about my business is I stopped listing houses in 2009. So I've created like what I think of as a new model, although I'm sure somebody's probably out there listening and is like, no, I know Tim from Fairhaven's been doing that for 25 years. And then like Tim's going to be my new best friend. Cause seriously, <laughs> I have questions for Tim. But like, you know, like I stopped listing in 2009, started referring all the listings. And then, you know, I got to the point with my marketing where now about three out of the four people who contact me, I refer, and about 50 of the, 50% of those close. So I have this whole business model that's a little more passive, and then I just work with the buyers that I want to work with. That's very weird, right? Nobody is even very curious about it because everybody knows you need to list to last. So people invite me to be on panels because they've seen my marketing, and nobody's ever really asked about my numbers. And so I end up up there, and someone goes, well, what about listings? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I better change the subject before I have to explain this because nobody wants to hear it. Like, you know, I mean, that's that's one example, right? And I see it on people's faces sometimes when they're asked certain questions and how they sort of move the subject away because that's an area of challenge or something that they don't actually do. And why doesn't the panelist, the panel moderator, know that? Or they lie because, well, you know, there's a thousand people looking at me right now, so I better tell them what they want to hear. And then we all get bad information. And when we try to implement it and it doesn't work, we all feel like crap. So, I mean, I think this is – I don't know if this is what we're supposed to talk about today, Marguerite, but this is very much on my mind. <laughs> you know, to me, it's absolutely what we're supposed to talk about because, you know, the name of the show is Real Estate Real World. And I think it's so key – to talk about that because it's just not being said, right? It's it, And we go to these conferences and it's all rah-rah, you know, just boom-bah and how great are you? And and then there's an entire audience that goes home feeling like a failure. Yeah. And the great thing that I say about this business that I said early on in this conversation today is everyone has their own version of success. Like Absolutely. even for me, I've been 23 years in real estate 
and my version has changed dramatically over the years. There were times when it was important to me to sell 100 homes a year, right? And then (laughs) I wanted to make a million dollars a year. And then I said, I really don't want to work that hard anymore. (laughs) And I don't need to make that kind of money anymore. And so last year I sold dramatically less, had a great year, went to Spain for two weeks, worked part-time. And that's really what it's all about. It's just a matter of where you are in your life. And that's a fantastic thing about this industry is that there's no right or wrong. There's no good or bad. Except you. I think the only missing piece of that is we only really celebrate people who sell a lot of real estate. Like at this conference I was at, like people introduce themselves with their gross commission and number of team members, you know, or they, they, or with their sales numbers, which I think is very weird. And I, I, I want to ask people like, are you still married? Like, do your children like you? Like I, I, I think these are important questions and we don't, we don't honor people. You know, we don't say, you know, this is the guy that, you know, not only saved enough to like put some money away for retirement and his kids college, but his kids actually still like him. Like we never ask that question, <laughs> you know? And I mean, again, I think this well, might be a little bit of like housing crash PTSD because after you've watched the tide go out and you've seen everybody naked, I mean, you know what they look like naked. <laughs> exactly. If that metaphor is valid. You can't. Well, and and you know what, Marguerite? Maybe a Marguerite convention is brewing. Maybe a convention <laughs> is brewing of, of the real estate, real world Marguerite Fest convention. Maybe that's what we're together. <laughs> well, and I mean, it's not that I don't think people need to make money because they do. I mean, there's there's plenty of people who look very good that don't make any money, and that's not anything to celebrate either. That's another form of falseness, right? Well, I, I, what I like is, again, the, the possibility of it would just be great to just for people to see the real side. I guess that's a, bit, a big part of why I created this podcast is, you know, what does it really look like? Like we, we see all the shiny objects, and that's great. And we all need that kind of rah-rah cheerleader. We are in sales. Like we do need Inspiration. to go and be inspired, <laughs> right. Yeah, need to be inspired. But I would, I would love to see the people who are doing, who are in the trenches that do have also created a life and have some balance and and are fun to be around and have built their business the way that you have, where it's attraction marketing, permission marketing, referral based businesses um, to be highlighted a bit more. Maybe based on well, and and I'll, and I'll tell you, I'm. I'm really nothing to copy at this point. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I think I've figured out the marketing piece. Like I've figured out the attraction piece. Like I feel like the part that I don't have a problem with is getting clients. Like I have a really great steady stream of really excellent clients and I am not exaggerating and I'm not, you know, fluffing that up. Like I have cracked that code, but you know, I'm also a workaholic, you know, and there's, there's no one in my circle, uh, you know, there's certainly no one in my brokerage. There's no one in my life other than maybe my therapist who's really telling me that that's a problem, you know, and that's, so there's some real, there's some real talk. Like it's not good enough to to crack the code of, I have a steady stream of clients and I only keep the business I want. And I'm a really nice, fun person. If you're always at work and you can't even remember how to get like a lot of excitement out of the rest of your life, this is my current struggle, you know, and, and, and how do you balance those two things? 
And I'm sure there's people listening who are like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm really good at life. And, you know, that's not that hard. And God bless those people. <laughs> well, so here's, here, here's the thing, though, Marguerite, that I think is valuable is I love what I do. Like, somebody mm-hmm. said, what are you going to – when are you going to retire? I'm like, what the heck would I, what would I do with my time? Like, I really love – like, even just having this conversation with you is – Technically, you could say work, right? Yes. But yes. it's such it's so much fun to have a conversation and, and get to know people on a deeper level and connect with them, and that's what we get to do all day. So to me, I, I can understand the workaholic part because I would definitely have to say I'm for sure. Well, you can ask my kids and my husband. They'll tell you I'm workaholic. <laughs> but it, it's also a business where we have the ability to take that time when we want to, you know. I, I mean, I remember sitting at football games with my kids and baseball games, and, you know, I'm not a sports fan, so watching three to four hours of baseball in practice, you know, <laughs> you could just set my hair on fire and it would, you know, maybe be more fun. But so I was able to, in the current time and age, I was able to sit there and be on my iPad and get some work done and, you know, I could rah-rah when they, you know, hit a ball, but I didn't have to be completely engaged and not to say that everyone should not focus on their kids, but right. the truth is is that I love, love, love this business because I have that flexibility, because I get to spend all of my time talking to people and connecting with them and helping them accomplish their dream, which is still the American dream to own a home. It's still the American dream. Like, what better job could we have? So it's hard for me to say, what would I do if I retired? I think I'd be retired for about two weeks, and then I'd be like <laughs> running the PTA or, you know, I'd be yeah. taking over a charity. or I, I don't know what I would do, but this is – so I get that. I don't think that that's the end of the world, and I would venture to say that it's an addictive business and must be fun to yes. know. Well, and I think like all addictions, and I mean, here we go, Margaret. We're gonna have real talk in the real world right now. <laughs> like, I mean, right now, right? Like, we all experience, you know, these things in different ways. Like, you, I said, I, I said, I'm a workaholic. Like, this is this is a new thing for me. Like, I would have never said that a year ago. I would have told you, you know, this business is something terrible. This business will take normal people and like take all of their normal life away, and you can't have a normal life in this business. And now I'm like, oh no, you can. I just am a workaholic and I found a business where I can hide and avoid responsibility for my behavior. And I think what I do when I say I'm a workaholic, I mean like an alcoholic. I mean like I use work to avoid life. And now I know I'm getting very weird and I don't know that anyone listening will know what I'm talking about, but I suspect there might be one or two. And like, and that's, that's the thing. And, and we're, we're in a business. The, the business is great. You know, like there's, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with real estate. There's nothing wrong with helping people, achieve their dreams but they're the the whole thing is kind of set up to you know basically take as much as you're willing to put into it and there there aren't a lot of people in our business preaching balance or asking those questions and i just i just kind of keep thinking after 11 years you know and i know it's not as long as a lot of people but it's it's not changing it's not going to change unless i change it and i don't want to be 80 years old thinking yeah i totally outsold that chick from remax i showed her <laughs> that doesn't sound very satisfying. Or even, you know, I helped put a lot of people into houses. Like, I don't know that that's my soul's journey on this planet. And I think 
that's the purpose of my soul's journey on this planet or whatever. But I think what I'm trying to do, and this is where if we can get back, I mean, I'll take it back to marketing so it doesn't get too weird, but that's where being really intentional about the clients that you're attracting can add meaning to your work. Like if you're just well, me, having to – yeah, go ahead. Let, let me just interject for a moment because I do think – like when I look back on my career of 23 years, I have had the opportunity to impact literally thousands of lives. And Absolutely. I've done that by uh, selling homes. I've done that by mm-hmm. helping people accomplish their um, dream of buying a home or their financial goals of, of getting ahead with some equity or maybe it was just getting past. I mean, I don't. I think you don't give yourself enough credit for the impact that you do have um, on the people that you connect with. And, you know, maybe at the end of the day, I, of course, won't say I, you know, got that gal at Remax, but I will <laughs> say that this, this career has afforded me the opportunity to be able to have an impact on... I mean, I literally sold a house recently to the child of somebody I sold a house to. Mm, <laughs> that's like, amazing. And that was their childhood home that they grew up in. Yeah. And so I agree that there needs to be some balance where, you know, obviously you're not working 24-7, but I think that that time will come for you too. You're you're not, you know, you're not ready to go into the grave. I don't think you're not. (laughs) Hopefully not. You're you're only 36, so you still have plenty of time for, you know, whatever it is, whatever path you're going to follow. So anyway, that was my my response to that rant. Well, and and you're right. (laughs) I, but I, I think that's exactly it, though, and, and that's why, you know, when I when I hear people like advocating, you know, I I don't even like to use the word lead or lead conversion or consumer. Like I, I feel like we are trying to mechanize real estate to a degree that takes the humans out of it, like the, that that kind of suppresses the humanity of our clients. You know, we get frustrated because a lead wants us to just hop to it and show them a house. And we forget that the entire app is framed on click here to show me this house. It's not click here to meet the agent of your destiny. <laughs> you know, like that's not the call to action. Exactly. And maybe it should be. But 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 Zillow's never going to make it that. Realtor.com is never going to make that the call to action because their job is to capture. And I think that's the whole the, – the thing that if, if there's anything that I'm, – I'm, I'm being not very articulate, I think. But I think like if the real estate industrial complex that sells us stuff, us being the agents – you know, they're selling – basically what they have to do is package unlikable people and get them to close deals for clients. Like get get them to get the clients under contract. Like how do you market unlikable people? Lots of us are very likable, but we're not putting ourselves out there. We're not explaining who we are, our unique value proposition, the unique value that we bring to, to the table that is that makes us really right for certain clients and really not right for other clients. We're so scared to just say, like, this is what I do that it makes us valueless unless we're completely, like, stripped of ourselves. And that's – that's. Uh, am I making sense, Marguerite? You know, you're making more sense than you realize because literally I, I'm speaking in Southern California here in a couple weeks. and Or not a couple weeks, a couple days. I'm driving down tonight. And my entire presentation has been is built around – the potential for Uber to come in, right, and and affect our business and become Uber Absolutely. real estate. 
And people are saying, oh, no, that can never happen. And I'm saying, well, it's happening. It's happening already in that there's a company out there right now called 10-Minute Realty where there's an app on the phone. You can pull up in front of the house. It's being beta tested in Texas. And you can say, I want to see this house. They send this out, right, to all the agents in the area with uh, to guarantee that somebody will be there in 10 minutes to show you the house. Now, that's all fine and dandy, but that's happening because we're not showing our value exactly like you said. We're not showing what value we really bring to the table when the big entities such as Zillow and those are making it about just who can get their fastest and it's just a, it's transactional, it's not emotional. So well, and, you're making and this is sense. I think this is what's happened in the, you know, I was speaking to the owner of uh, my office the other day, and he kept, he, he, he speaks pretty well about what happened after the downturn with the brokerage model was that, you know, we basically, in our market at least, we have brokerages that offer a lot of value, a lot of staff, a lot of tools, a lot of attention, a lot of managers, and you pay a lot of money. Like, my office is expensive. I hope he's not listening. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, there are also these bare minimum offices that offer you very little in the way of support. You have to do everything yourself. You pay much less. Everything in the middle is gone. You know, I used to work with a brokerage that was somewhere in between, and, you know, they are they are not as successful as they were before the, before the crash. Like, that middle is gone, and I think that same thing is happening with real you are either the kind of agent that someone looks at, like Sean Carpenter was saying in the interview you had with him, like your doctor, like your lawyer, your realtor, that person who is not just there to close your deal, who's there in your whole life, in your whole cycle of homeownership at every point in the process. You either have that kind of an agent or you have an app. And the biggest thing I think that realtors need to notice is that when taxi drivers were replaced by an app, none of us gave a shit because nobody likes taxi drivers. They're mean, and they smoke cigarettes, and they swear, and they talk on the phone, you know, like it's, and, and they're rude to you. Like I just came back from New York, and I Ubered half the time, and I took cabs half the time, and one of the drivers yelled at me because I wasn't like swiping my card fast enough. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't live in New York. I live in a, you know, place without cabs. I didn't know how this little machine worked. Like I'm not going to take any more cabs. Like nobody misses cab drivers. Nobody defends them because nobody likes them. And they had the market cornered. We had no choice. And so we used them. But as soon as we didn't have to use them, we didn't. And that's the problem in real estate is we're not asking ourselves, are we taking the kind of action that's going to make people defend us? You know, are we being the kind of service providers that will have people saying like, oh, my gosh, no, I would never do that. I want to use my realtor. Like nobody says, oh, my gosh, the poor cabbies. Like I just really want to drive in a cab. They might say, oh, that really sucks. They spent $200,000 on that little metal so they can be a cab driver. Like something should be done about that. They might empathize with their predicament, but they wouldn't actually prefer a cab. Nobody would prefer a cab to Uber. Well, right? and truth be told, when when we look now at, you know, people, when sellers look at their HUD-1 at the end of the transaction and the largest number on that entire thing next to their loan balance is our commission, they're starting to pay attention. They're starting to look and see what can happen. I mean, I don't think anyone really thought the same thing could happen to the travel industry, but, oh, I wish I could have a travel agent again, you know? Yeah, Yeah, well, but there there are still travel agents. They serve, like, a very tiny niche, right? They serve, like, business travelers. They serve luxury, right? There is still a place for a travel agent in a very small section of the market. But most people don't value it more than saving money. 
Could that happen to our industry? What do you think as an industry we need to do to raise that bar? How do we raise the bar? I think we need to start, I mean, my answer, I mean, and I'm not like an industry titan or a specialist or even someone who is in the top 10 in my company, but I'll tell you, like, I, my experience is like treating people like human beings and respecting them as human beings, creating marketing and client attraction strategies that respect the client and that are oriented towards serving the client and being honest with the client, because that's what creates like mutual respect and a bond. You know, and if they don't see us as human beings and they don't see us treating them as human beings, then why not replace us with apps? If we're mechanizing the process, if you've built and structured your team in such a way, you know, I've heard real estate companies like advocate sort of setting your team up almost like McDonald's, Mm -hmm. right? Like you can slot someone into the drive through line, you can slot someone into the deep fryer, and you can keep swapping them out cheaply, right? Like that's kind of the goal. Well, if you create a mechanized team (laughs) that is basically just – you know, one cog here and one cog there, you've made an app. Merry Christmas, you've made an app, and someone's going to make an app that doesn't charge as much as you. Like, now you're a commodity, and now you can be replaced. If you have to, and this is, I mean, I'm not the first person to say this, but we are not, if you are not, if you are going to be special, if you're going to be worth more on your commission, if you're going to, if you're going to not have to compete on price, you have to be something special. They have to perceive you as valuable, and I mean, people do that in different ways. You can, you know, my, the owner of my company is very data and numbers driven. Like he thinks if, you know, if nobody knows the numbers better than me, you know, I have value and I'm not, I've never been the best at numbers. You know, everyone can outnumbers me, but I have other value, you know, and I have a lot of community knowledge and I have good empathy and all of these kinds of things. Certain clients are going to be very attracted to that. Other clients are going to be very attracted to him and we're both going to be happy and we're both going to be busy. That is truly valuable because the end of the day when you build your business right i say this all the time in my master class real estate academy trainings is that all the time i say when you build your business right you don't have competition so you don't if you and i were in the same market if you and i were in the same market other than people getting our names confused we would <laughs> build completely different clientele there would be people who would just adore you and love the way that you work and your style and everything. And there would be people that would gravitate towards me. That's the great well, thing. Well, Marguerite, if I can tell you. The way you're building it. Yeah, there is a Marguerite in my market. And she drives a vintage Jaguar and she has a tiny dog and she wears super elegant black label Ralph Lauren. And no one ever confuses us. <laughs> like we are different agents <laughs> with different clientele. You know, and another example of that actually uh, is my work wife, Ann Jones, you know, and I met her in the depths of the downturn despair. And she's been like a huge part of, you know, how I've rallied and continued to build and grow my business is just being inspired by having a friend. But one of the things that people don't understand, we make videos together, educational videos for clients so that they can learn about the process. People think we work together. We, people think we're in business together, and we, we don't. We're just friends, and we have overlap. You know, sometimes we're watching sort of friends decide, are they going to call her? Are they going to call me? You know, and we've had to have a lot of, like, open, generous conversations about that, and it's not always, you know, it's not always sunshine and, and rainbows. Sometimes it's, like, you know, hard not to get a little bit butt hurt. but that's the goal, right, like, is to recognize right. that people know who the best agent to work with them is. And why can't we re- right. why can't we respect that? <laughs> like I was at a conference and somebody went up on and said, "What do you do when you're someone in your family like lists their million dollar house with another agent?" And it's like, 
well, what do you mean? That's not your client. Clearly, you haven't <laughs> you haven't demonstrated that they're you're the right person for them, and they probably know better than you who their real estate agent should be. You know, I don't think that yeah, there's a mis- that person's yeah that that person's not missing a script. They're missing a steady pipeline of people who love them because when you have that, and the thing is, is that this is what makes it so easy for Ann and I is that like we both have full pipelines. So like I, we had a conversation last week because a client I was like um. Did so-and-so call you? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, all right, well, what are we going to do with that? We kind of laughed about it because we it doesn't matter. It could go to her. It could go to me. We're both going to be busy. We're both going to exceed our goals this year. You know, we both have enough business. And if you can handle that piece of filling your pipeline with great clients that really like you, when one in 25 of those people call you and your competitor or your friend, it's not going to be a big deal. You can just sort it out like grown-ups. Or if your mother doesn't want to use you, you can deal with that because, you know, like well, you can deal it's, with it it's therapy, not going to make right? or break you. Yeah, well, I mean, poor therapist has a lot of work to do on my mother. <laughs> you know, I, I always say that if my kids don't end up in therapy, I didn't do a good job. So, I'm Amen to that. I, I have a, yeah, I didn't have a college fund. I had a therapy fund for my kids. <laughs> I'm sure. And, and they haven't gone to college, so clearly I did a good job. So. <laughs> Well, you know what, Marguerite, you said so many great things today, and so I want to go ahead and wrap up and see if you have any final thoughts before we finish up today. I think, you know, if if I could just say, like, if there's anybody still listening to this, <laughs> like, I, I think that the, the thing that I would really like people to know is that you deserve great clients. You deserve clients that like you. You should not have to work with people who you have – figured out some way of tricking or script talking into working with you. That is not a career. That is not the only way to do business. And if that's the only training that you have where you are, hop on the interwebs because there are so many like open-hearted, great realtors out there that are sharing totally new ways of, of doing business and attracting clients you know, whether it's online or through their communities, you know, uh, I remember uh, Sean Carpenter was talking about the other kind of social networking where you're involved in your community. Like that, that works. It works great, but it works best when you're like a really nice person or a likable, trustworthy, competent person. Like the business will come that way. We don't have to trick people into working with us to be busy. The best thing I've heard all day. I think you're funny, and I cannot wait. I cannot wait for Marguerite Fest. It's it's definitely (laughs) going to be uh, epic, I know. So thank you so much for joining me today, Marguerite. I'm really honored to have had you on the show. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today on The Real Estate Real World, where we talk with masters in the real estate industry and leadership on how we can raise the bar in our industry. Please subscribe over on iTunes, and while you're there, be sure to give us a review. Your reviews encourage us and help us help others find our podcast. Want to keep up with the latest stuff? Pop on over to realestaterealworld.com and add your name to our email. Thank you again for listening. Go out there and help us raise the bar. Make it a great day.